Thank you for joining us today for the podcast ministry of Unity Point Church. We're located at 124 Amerson Street in Anniston, Alabama. We hope that you'll join us very soon and be a part of our fellowship. We'd love to have you. Our three core values are Christ, community, and connections, and we try to find all three every time we come together. We believe that you're going to be both blessed and challenged by the message today, so let's dive right in. Turn to Hebrews chapter 12. That's where we are today. Hebrews chapter 12. And uh, I would love to tell you we were going to do all of 12 today. Since we did all of 11 last week, we're not. <laughs> we're going to make it through all of three verses today. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Uh, always remind you that uh, you can follow along in the app on that next slide. It's got a little picture if you need to find that uh, in the app store and then look for Unity Point. And then uh, and this one in particular, this, this message today, there's some questions at the end of it that I think you really got to work hard at reviewing and trying to, to answer. So let's read uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 through 3. If you're there, say amen. 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 All right, let's read these three. I'm reading out of the HCSB. Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endeared a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray over the Word. Father, thank You for Your Word. I thank You for Your promises, and I pray that You open our eyes and our ears, our hearts and our minds to receive from You today what it is that You have in these verses. God, This I think this is such a pivotal portion of Hebrews because of it tying so much together that You've done, particularly in the last few chapters, um, and, and God, we get to this point and you really tie some powerful things together that I believe are very impactful for people in our church, not just because of any recent things, but God just period as knowing our people. God, I really believe that this is powerful for all of us. And I pray that you're going to help us to be changed by it today. And we'll give you all the praise and honor. We just pray and believe this in Jesus name and the church together said, amen. amen. So Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, a lot of people misinterpret this passage. This passage gets misinterpreted. Uh, what people believe is they read this and say, oh, this must mean when it talks about there's this large cloud of witnesses that there's this big group of people who are up in heaven who are watching you right now and are watching you run the race, watching you, you know, figuratively, you run the race spiritually. And so since there's this big group of people all watching, you should do a good job because people have their eyes on you. This is actually not what the writer is trying to say at all. The idea here is tied in. This is when we take verses out of context. This is when we take chapters out of context. Remember what we just had in verse or in chapter 11. Chapter 11 last week when we went through it, it's what is often called the Hall of Fame. So, or the Hall of Faith, I'm sorry. Hall of Fame is, you know, something that's probably Namath probably went and saw some of that, you know, when he's going baseball and some of that stuff. The Hall of Faith, 
um, you know, is what we see in, in Hebrews chapter 11. So what we saw was all of these people in Hebrews 11 who the Bible talks about them and says that even though they, uh, the, the phrase I really like, the one says they saw the promise from afar, they greeted the promise, but they never received the promise. But they all died in faith, having not received the promise. Now, when we hit verse or chapter 12, begin there with verse 1, then he says, therefore. So because of what happened in chapter 11 that he was talking about, he says, because of that, because that we have something that we saw there, and since we have such a large cloud of witnesses around us, let's lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us. Here's what he's actually suggesting. This passage of, uh, of Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, tells us that all these people bear witness to us that God can see you through. That's the great cloud of witnesses. It's not, when you look at the word there, the word martyr is actually what gets translated even as this idea of a witness. And so it's that, hey, what I went through and what I did bears witness to you of what God can do. I think this is why the Bible talks about, says that we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, because it is me bearing witness of what God has done. A lot of people say, well, man, I, I struggle with witnessing. Why? Because I, I, I don't know about, you know, witnessing to somebody about Jesus. Why? You have no problem telling about what happened to you at school. You have no problem telling about what happened to you at work. You have no problem telling them about what your wife did to you, your husband did to you, or whatever you think was wrong. I know none of y'all would ever gossip about any of that stuff, so I'm not really talking about you guys, right? You know, you don't, we don't have any problem telling that kind of stuff. Really, all that we are doing when we are witnessing is we are telling this is what God has done. This is what God has done in my life. You don't have to be a theologian. It'd be great. Study God's Word. You need to grow in that. But I promise you, you don't need to be 10 years after you come to Jesus before you can, can bear witness to somebody. I'm telling you, the moment that you give your life to Christ, you could walk out the doors, you could get up off your knees, you could get out of your car, you could, wherever it is that you were, you could walk in and tell somebody else, let me tell you what God has done for me. Because all you are doing is bearing witness. You are sharing, this is what God has done in my life. And that's what is being talked about, that there's this great cloud of witnesses around us. Said You have all this stuff just like you had in Hebrews 11, where we see people that never received a promise but died in faith. And he says, so they are bearing witness to you. God can see you through. Romans chapter 15, verse 4 says this, For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Listen to that. He says, whatever is written in the Bible, people go, oh, this thing was written, you know, all this long time ago. It's not meaningful. That's why you hear people say that this is a living word. Because when we read what God did in people's lives and how they endured, we are encouraged. When we see how that God was able to help them and sustain them, isn't it so much easier when you can see the whole story? See, it's hard for us when we're going through the story 
because we don't know where the end is going to come. The author's over here writing the book, and we don't know, even if we could know, hey, we're on page 100 in my life. We have no idea whether there's 150 pages, is there 101 pages, is there 1,000 pages. We have no idea. It's hard when we're walking through life. Most of us, when we look back on our lives, we look back at when we were teenagers, we look back at when we were young adults, there's stuff that we see, and we thought that it was the biggest thing in the moment, right? Because it felt like the biggest thing in the moment. But, but now looking back, we could see where the end was coming. But we couldn't see that when we were in it. And so we look at our kids and we go, oh, they need to quit being such drama queens and drama kings and all that stuff. But then we turn around as adults and are going through stuff in our lives that we think is so much more important. All right? You know, our lives are more important, we think, than somebody that's 20, than somebody that's 15. We, we think that sometimes for some reason. Whatever we're going through is far more important. And God is seeing our lives the same way that we look back and see things from, from when we were younger. And God is going, I already see the end of this thing, and you just need to hold on. It's It's coming. By the way, if you ever get hold of that, it'll really change how you interact with your kids. It'll change how you interact with, with people that are going through different things because it seems very, very important to them at the moment. And so it's impactful. Even if you think you see the end of it or whatever else, because God is looking at the same thing and going, hey, why don't you just trust me? You're going, I, I tell my kids all the time, if y'all just trust me, this is going to be, and they're like, whatever. Right? I know this road never does that. Y'all don't do that. I did. <laughs> you know? But I know that God looks at me a lot of times and says the same thing. Why don't you just trust me? And I'm going, whatever, you know, spiritually. That's what it feels like. God is telling us that despite how crushing our, our personal experiences may seem, we can find examples throughout the Bible of people who endure tremendous pain and suffering, challenges, hardships, tests, and trials and yet they were able to persevere, and they did through, so through God's help and through God's strength. Now, I want you to catch something, and, and actually, if you're following along in the app, you'll see a, there's a little picture in there that says, Truth is, <laughs> truth is, God will send people to help you. This is, not, this is not meant to be a thing where it's you and God alone. Trying to get through this. He said, wait a minute, are you saying that God's not enough to sustain me? No, I didn't say that at all. Thanks for thinking, you know, that's what I was saying. <laughs> that's not what I'm saying at all. What I'm telling you is that God will choose to use the resources that he has available in order to help sustain you. God didn't put you here to be alone and go, it's just got to be you and God. Now, maybe there's some things where you need to just purely get you and God alone and you need to get connected with Him about it. But I promise you then, the reason that He describes us as a body is because we are connected. It's because that He wants to. I, I, I use this often. If the hand looks and goes, hey, there's a thorn in, the, in my foot, but hand is not going to take the thorn out, that is ridiculous. We're in the same body. We're going to hurt. We're going to suffer together. So God will take and utilize people that are around you. God will use a church family. God will use people that have skills and, and have training. And God will use them. God will use his word. He'll use the time of worship. He'll use music and a lot of other things to help us endure and persevere because it's not you and God alone against everything in the world. 
It is only the enemy that wants you to believe that. It is only the enemy that wants you to believe everybody is against you. The enemy always wants to exaggerate things. Why? Because the Bible says that he's the father of lies, and the truth is not in him. So what does he do? He makes you think, when we were younger, he made us think, everybody in school hates me. Transfers over when you're at work. Everybody is against me. Every person is against me. Everybody in the church thinks this about me. Everybody in my family... So the enemy's always wanting to exaggerate and get you to buy into a lie. Because then he separates you and he isolates you. And eventually then, he'll just cut you off. But this passage, this passage in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, is there to encourage us to recognize that there is this large cloud of witnesses. There is this massive number of people. Clouds are made up of these tiny droplets, Right? Of all this, so you think about that. It, how many millions, billions, trillions, whatever it is, of little drops are making up those clouds. See, that's what he's trying to get you to see. It's not just oh, that's a nice little cloud there. You know, you got you got my man painting right. Somebody won't give me a name. Happy little trees. I was just checking to see who was keeping up with the Bob Ross stuff. Bob Ross, right, you know, Bob's, we don't have mistakes. What does he say? Ha-ha. Yes. <laughs> and we're going to make a little tree right here, right? Oh, I liked watching Bob back in the day, you know, because uh, cause that, was, that, was, uh, that was some of the few channels when my, we finally actually got a TV. <laughs> you know, he's going to paint the little happy little trees. But when he would make these clouds, you know, he would form these clouds. And, and knowing the, the language that's being used here, you don't have just a few witnesses in the Bible. You have these large clouds of witnesses. All of these people that make up this idea that God has already seen people through. God has already sustained people through these challenges. You don't have to question whether God is going to see you through. I know that, our, that we want to. I know that it's a struggle that we have. But the reality is he's saying, hey, stop and look at this cloud of witnesses that is around you. And in fact, that's why we read a lot of this stuff, isn't it? We read a lot of this stuff because we'll, we'll read about Job and we don't want to go through what Job went through. But we're encouraged by the fact that, that it tells us that God can see you through. We read about David who goes off and sins with Bathsheba, you know, he's, he's, he commits adultery, has, has, look, we, I'm making sure we're old enough, he has sex with, everybody just freaked out because I used the S word. <laughs> he, he, he has sex with a lady he sees naked on a roof. This row over here just went, that's in the Bible? <laughs> I just, I saw it out of the corner of my eye. <laughs> We got to read the Bible more. Um, you know, <laughs> just saying. I mean, so right. Just saying, right? Sorry, parents. You need to be talking to them before I have to. Um, but look, I mean, so now we all we all see that stuff, and we got, 
And, and what's the rest of the story, man? I mean, it's, it's better than any movie you're going to see. Joker ends up having, you know, the, 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 the lady's husband is in the military. He has him called back off the battlefield, tries to mess with him because they knew that there's, there's the requirements for the military that you can't go back into battle out of Israel unless you have remained clean and purified, right? So he's going, hey, maybe I can get him to come back because now she's pregnant. If I can get him to come back... Stay the night with his wife, then surely he's been on the battlefield. They're not just going to hang out and, you know, talk about what's been going on. It, it, there's something going to happen. And so, hey, then he'll go back to the battlefield and, whoo, I'm in the clear because it'll be like, that's his kid. But dad has more integrity. Dad sleeps outside the house so that there will be no doubt that that he has remained pure and can go back to fight with his fellow soldiers. So what does he have to do? King turns around and sends a letter. Has him take his own death sentence, a sealed letter back to the, to the leaders telling him, put him on the front line. We know what's going to happen. Back then, you put people on the front line. People are dying. This is not sniper town. This is everybody dies on the front line. You overwhelm them through the number of people. Then Bathsheba goes to have this child. What happens? Child ends up dying. David is praying. David is over there praying on God, please, you know, don't let and and still there's the child ends up dying. And David comes out, washes his face, cleans up because man, he had been, you know, he had been doing the whole I'm over here, you know, sackcloth and ashes kind of thing, going, you know, hey, I'm trying to trying to stand in the gap and and, but now, and people go, whoa, what are you doing? I mean, man, I, I mean, this ju has just happened now out of this. And he says, hey, you know, child can't come back to me, but I can go to the child. I got to live my life right. I got to do right. And the Bible ends up describing this guy later as a man after God's own heart. Not because he's perfect. Not because he doesn't jack a bunch of stuff up. But because when he does, he figures out, gets it right with God, he repents, and he tries to do right going forward. Is he perfect? Absolutely not. We read this stuff, and we go, wow, I'm encouraged because I jack some stuff up, and I see people in God's Word who do that, and then they turn around, they repent, they get things right with God, and God describes them as a person after his heart. Man, if that can happen with them, then I've got hope. That's why we read this stuff. And so he says, even when you are going through challenges, he says, remember, you have this cloud of witnesses that is bearing witness to you that God can see you through. And so Scripture tells us that we have to make a personal choice then. And he says there's two things that we need to do. And those two things we find in verse 1. And he says you need to lay aside every weight... And then you can insert some words here because that, that lay aside applies to both every weight and the sin. So lay aside every weight and lay aside the sin that so easily ensnares us. So let's talk about every weight for a moment. If you'll notice, that is spoken of distinctly as separate from sin. He does not say lay aside the weight of sin. He says lay aside the weight... And the sin. Two different things. 
I think a lot of people get hung up on that, well, hey, I don't feel like I'm over here doing you know, this stuff that's sinful, that's wrong, whatever else, but yet you are still being drugged down in your spiritual race because there is weight. So every weight is not something that we're doing is sinful, but it is something that slows us down. It'd be like putting a, a big pack of rocks on somebody's back and telling them, now I want you to go run a 5K. And then every so often along the path, you, you have them stop and you put some more rocks in the pack. It just gets heavier and heavier the further that they go. And you just keep doing this and keep doing this. And so, so we know what that would look like. Over a period of time, we know what that would look like. The person would become completely worn out. They keep trying to maintain the pace of life, but they're getting more and more weary. And have you ever noticed, I mean, I, surely all of you, if you've done any kind of work, it, it, you, could be, you could be taking 25-pound bags or something and unloading those and doing something with them. When you started out, you know, you were like, yep, got this, you know. 25-pound bag, throwing it, 25-pound bag, throwing it. You get about an hour, that 25 pounds feels heavier, doesn't it? You get two hours in, that 25 pounds feels like it's 50 pounds. You get three, four hours in, all of a sudden it feels like it's 100 pounds. You go long enough, you will reach the point that you cannot pick it up anymore. Something that you had no problem a handful of hours ago, you are physically capable in good condition, but you can't sustain long-term doing that. There will be some time period. These guys know, some of you guys that either you are playing sports or you did play sports or whatever, I mean, hey, they could run you to your tongue, they'll run you till your tongue hung out, right? And eventually you ain't got anything left. You're done. That's the way it is when people are carrying this weight, much less when people keep coming along, or we ourselves even come along and put rocks in our own pack. Because we keep taking stuff on and putting it in our pack and it gets harder and harder and we grow more and more weary. We start getting frustrated. People around us are passing us. And we know, man, I, I've been serving God longer than what that person has. Why do I feel like spiritually they're passing me? And I feel like I'm slowing down and I feel like I'm, I, I'm just running through molasses. I'm just, I'm just dragging and it gets frustrating. And then, and then people often, I mean, literally and spiritually, the, the tears will begin to fall. Frustration, a sense of failure. And then every time that somebody comes along and they drop some more rocks in their pack, they become more angry and they start feeling hopeless. What are these weights? Well... There's no way for me to give an exhaustive list, right? And one thing that may be a heavy rock for one person is not that heavy to somebody else. And what one person will take and put in their pack and carry, somebody else, somebody tries to put that rock in their pack, and they're like, you know, not today, Satan. And they're just going to go on. But I'll give you some ideas. What's a, what's a rock that weighs us down and slows our life down? Expectations of others toward us. I 
I think it was one of the harder things, uh, not going into the whole story because you guys have heard it enough, but, you know, when Michelle and I got pregnant as juniors in high school, and I do always say when we got pregnant because it's not just that she got pregnant, I was part of it. When we got pregnant as juniors in high school, my dad being a pastor, all of that stuff that went with that, my dad having a heart attack, you know, minor heart attack when we told him about it, um, all that stuff that went on. I remember, you know, in the moment of, of people being hurt, right, you'll say stuff. I always, um, I, I told somebody here this recently at work, and it's the old saying that you guys have all heard, hurt people hurt people. When people are, you know, it's kind of like a, you know, if you've ever had an, an animal, I hope you've never had to go through this, but if you've ever had like an outdoor dog or something like that, and they ever got hit by a car or they got something that damaged them but didn't kill them, and when you went to try to help them, a lot of times, even though they know you, they love you, they've not been there hurt, and you touch them just right trying to help, and they'll bite you. It's, it's hard because they're, they're hurt, and it's a reaction, and it's instinctive to hurt people. One of the statements that got made in that moment to me was, we thought you were the one that was going to do it right. Because we don't, we don't make any bones in our family about that my sister had, had some major struggles as, as well. And so a lot of expectation got put on me. You're going to be the one that does it right. And what did I do? I didn't get it right. Did not get it right. You know, see, expectations that people put on you can be a really heavy weight. Sometimes those are bad expectations. People will, their expectation of you is so low that it becomes a weight on you. They'll never amount to anything. You'll never accomplish this. You'll never do this. You've messed so many things up that this will, you will never do anything major, anything positive, anything whatever in your life. Low expectations can be heavy. High expectations can be heavy. You're going to be perfect unlike everybody else in the family. You're going to do this. You're going to do that. You're going to accomplish this. And it can seem overwhelming in the moment. Another rock is past hurt or things that have been done to us. Sometimes you can't make it not have happened. But sometimes it, it so lingers in how we carry it. And I know it's such a challenge between remembering something and just living in it, right? It's so hard, but that can be a heavy weight. It can be a heavy weight on us. Disappointment in ourselves or disappointment in others. You know, when somebody lets you down... It's one thing when you let somebody down. It's another thing when you had this super high expectation of someone else. You felt it was going to be this way. They were going to do this. They were going to act like that. And then they let you down. That can be a huge rock in the pack that you're carrying. For a lot of people, for men in particular, jobs or career aspirations that are not met can be a huge thing. I thought I was going to do this. I wanted to do this. Here's one. Coveting what others have or what they're doing. 
you know, man, I want what they had. I want what they're doing. I wish I had that. And that can become a rock that just is weighs you down. We, we used to call it, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, right? You know, it was always you're comparing against everybody else. Sometimes that's really, really hard for us in today's world where I see a lot more, say, maybe folks in their 30s want to have what people in their 60s have, that they've worked their whole life to, to get, and then they get very frustrated. And that's a, it's like a, a rock in the pack that they're carrying. It rides them every single day. And the list goes on. I actually give you an opportunity in the notes for today. So fill in, fill in the blank for yourself. What is it that you know for yourself that just weighs you down on a daily basis? Maybe one of those things. It may be something else that's, that's going on that you are, you're aware of. You just sometimes don't want to admit. Man, this just rides me like a demon. Those things start to slow us down. They make life harder, drive us to be dissatisfied, frustrated, angered, separated from people, even to have hatred toward ourselves, towards others, or even toward God himself. But here's the interesting thing about Hebrews 12. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3 does not say, ask God and he will take that away from you. This is not what it says. It doesn't say, uh, find somebody else and, and let them tell you, know, tell you how to get rid of that. Now, you may need to do a portion of that. But there's a lot of people that I've told things before out of my own experience. There's a lot of things that people have told me out of their experience. I didn't do them. Ultimately, Hebrews 12 says, since we have this large cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. You have to make a decision. I am not going to continue carrying this pack of rocks in my life. God does not, I know this is tough, this is a tough one. God does not give you the option here of ask God to take the pack of rocks off your back. He says, you have to lay aside the weight. Why? Because even though you may feel like people are trying to put something on you, it is one of the things in life that you have absolute full control over. No one can put on you something that you will not receive. It is, I'm not saying it's easy. It is hard. It is hard for us not to receive the criticism from people that we, that we love, from people that we respect, from people that we want to get their approval. We want people to like us. We want people to encourage us, all this. And when, then when they don't, or they are, they are hard, or they are, they are derogatory towards us, we have to either decide, are we going to accept that or not? And he says, you've got to lay aside that weight. Sometimes we've got to have some help in figuring out how to do that. If we carry that thing one minute longer, the reality is it's just slowing down our life. It is making our spiritual walk more difficult. And, and honestly, it's causing us pain and hurt. Ironically, carrying that which hurt us in the moment only prolongs the effect. 
I'm not talking about forgetting. Again, I know, I know chapter 9, chapter 10, chapter 11, coming into chapter 12, it's been a lot of this. There's a reason why Hebrews ended up, the, the, you know, why God inspired the author to focus a lot on this, because this is hard. This is hard when you start talking about dealing with challenges, trials, all this stuff, and being able to move past it. So many people, so many people want you to, their idea of being able to move past the moment is they don't want you to talk about it. They don't want you to remember it. They don't want you to ever be bothered by it. It's not what God is after. God is after it not controlling you. God is after uh, allowing him to be greater than the thing. However big it is, without ignoring that it's there. Here's the thing. Laying aside this weight does not look like, I, I don't believe, uh, it is not, does not look like all of a sudden you just take the backpack and you throw the whole backpack on the side of the road and you just lickety split, take off running. It really doesn't seem to work that way in life. Now, I'm not saying that God could not come along and just fully deliver you from everything that's to rock in the pack. I will not box God in and say he can't do that. I'm yet to see it, but I know God could do it. What I tend to see that God does is He matures us in the process in that thing in life. He grows us in that. And so we begin to take rocks out of the pack. We don't end up throwing the whole pack off. And sometimes you we're able to take some of those things out faster and lay them aside. Other times it takes a little longer. But it means that we recognize it for what it is. We take it out. We know this is a weight that is slowing me down. And I am going to lay it here and I'm going to walk on. I can't come back to it. See, see, if we will take it out of the pack and lay it down and walk on, then the only way for us to pick it back up is we're going to have to turn around and walk back to where we were. I still remember the rock was in the pack. I still know it was there. But I don't have to carry it anymore and, and bear the burden and how heavy that is. I drop it on the ground and I, I keep walking. So what about the sin? It's a different topic, right? Because he said, lay aside every weight and then the sin, and he describes this as entangling us. So where the weight would slow us down, the sin entangles and stops us. The weight only makes it harder. The sin puts you to a halt. It entangles our feet. It trips us up. It causes us to stumble and fall. But once again, he tied these together and said the action is ours to take, not God's. He says, you lay aside every weight and you lay aside the sin. By the way, that kind of, that kind of flies in the face of that idea of people saying, well, the devil made me do it. No, he didn't. No, he did not. The devil did not make you do anything. Hard as the choice may be, we're still the ones that end up deciding. How about this? If we come to grips with that, how freeing and powerful is that idea? Devil can't make me do anything. Right. Namath can't make me do anything. My dad can't make me do anything. My boss can't make me do anything. Not really. See, I know we have a choice because I, and maybe it's just because it happened in our, our lifetimes, but every time I think back about Columbine, oh, yeah. that little girl that sat there with a gun to her head and they, 
Are you going to confess Christ or not? And she knew, hey, my life's on the line. And she held true. And, and knowing that, that in her youth group, well, a week or so right before that, that she had made a comment to them. She had made this statement about, she said, I just don't want to let God down. I want to live my life in such a way that it, it lifts him up. And in short order, she is challenged to either be alive or not be alive over her faith. So nobody can make you do. Sometimes we just choose to do. It's our action that's required. We have to lay aside the sin. Here's another thing. He also says the sin that so easily ensnares us. Some sin does not easily ensnare you. But you know what it is that tends to get you every time. Some stuff that you know would be wrong and sinful, it does not bother you. It does not tempt you. It doesn't... Some people, they don't have a tendency to gossip for anything. Some people, they can't... Oh, they just can't... They can't keep from doing it. I've told y'all before, you know, a men's group that was all at a, at a retreat for just the men, and they got to the last night, and they're sitting around a campfire, and, man, I mean, God's just been moving. They're, they're bonding. They're, they're becoming brothers, and... And, and guys just start confessing stuff. The Bible says, you know, confess your faults to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And, and man, they're doing it. They're, hey, I really struggle with this. And, and, and guys would pray for them. And it's, man, I feel, I, feel deli- I feel relief. Thank you for standing there with me. And they finally get down. Last guy. Last guy has not said anything. And they're all kind of waiting. And they're looking at him and going, hey, you know, I mean, are you going to share? And he goes, I didn't want to say anything. I'm just going to confess, so I struggle with gossip, and I can't get, wait until I get home to tell everything that I've heard here. <laughs> you know? Uh, you know what it is. Some guys don't struggle with pornography. Some guys don't struggle with... So, but you know if you do. You know if it's a struggle for you to see something on an advertisement or on a billboard or whatever and know, oh, oh, I don't need to look at that. I'm not saying other guys, it's okay. You can look at all that stuff and it's not a problem. I'm saying some people know it's an immediate, it's a, it's a struggle. Some people, you know, being, just being sharp-tongued and saying stuff that's hurtful and mean, you know it's what you struggle with. You've, you've just used it your whole life saying, well, that's just my personality. That's how I am. No, it's just the devil. <laughs> just, Right, because that's not that's not God. That's not godly. That's not how God wants us to be. Right, you know. So it's not just your personality. The Bible says that if you came to Christ, your old man died. You was crucified with Christ. You were raised to walk in newness of life. We hold all things, hey, you know, that have been made new. So we're just wrestling with the flesh. You know, a little Romans seven, Romans eight stuff. You know, we're wrestling with the flesh. The spirit wants to do right. The flesh still tries to do wrong. So you just got to fight that stuff down. You know whether that's something you have a problem with or not. Somebody else, you may not have a problem with that at all. You're one of the most soft-spoken people. You're one of the most encouraging people, but you got some of the ugliest thoughts about people that has ever been had. You know. He says, you have to lay aside the sin that so easily entangles you. I don't think it means that you get to leave the ones that don't, but he says, start with the stuff that's the biggest hang-up and work on laying that stuff aside. And when you lay it aside, you got to walk away from it. 
I remember uh, Stephen sharing, sharing one time, it was years ago, talking, he's like, oh, are you pissed off about my sin? No, no, he, he would make a, made a comment, I don't remember if he was teaching a lesson or something, and something but he talked about how, you know, people, so we, we tend to go lay something down at the altar and turn around and get up and take it with us when we leave. All right, well, oh, God, I'm going to come down here, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you this, and then when we get up, we go, all right, that's all my stuff, you know. Let me get that back, put it in my pack, take it with me. No, man, you got to lay that sin to the side and walk away from it. You know what? Sometimes that may mean that you gotta, you've got to talk to some people and say, hey, I can't hang out with you. Man, I love you, but, but when you and I hang out, we end up doing some stuff that's not right, and it leads me over into some stuff. So we either got to stop doing that or I can't hang out with you. It's not that I don't love you, whatever, but man, I love God more. And I don't want to be struggling in my life because that I get off into this temptation and I'm, and I'm wrestling with that. Sometimes you got to do what Paul told Timothy and you got to flee from those, he said, flee from those youthful lusts. You got to get away from that stuff. The Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee. You got to put an effort up. Sometimes you go and say, hey, I can't, you know what might be amazing? Sometimes if you'd have an honest conversation with people instead of just walking away from them, because, well, I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Right, I mean, I hear you, this conflict, but you ain't got to be a jerk. You can have a conversation with somebody, and honestly, you know what you're doing? You are bearing witness to them. You are telling them, here's what God's doing in my life. I recognize that when, Stephen, when you and I hang out, we end up doing this, and we look at this, or we do this, or we tend to go, and I can't do that, man. It, it's tearing my life up spiritually, and, and I know it's not right. And it, if we can't stop, I'm going to have to not hang out, because I don't have that problem with other folks, but i got to do it. You know what? God may use that to speak to Stephen's heart. Man, I need to change, too. And him go, hey, bro, you know what? I mean, you're confessing to me, and I'm telling you, I'm wrestling with that too. Can we get somebody else involved, and let's pray about it, and, and let God change our lives. But sometimes under the guise of, well, I don't want to be in conflict. I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings. Well, then don't hurt their feelings. Don't be a jerk. Just go and tell this is what God's doing in my life, and here's how that's impacted when I'm with you. Maybe we can hang out and do these things, or maybe we can only go. I just you gotta find the right answers. You gotta walk away from some stuff. God's not gonna make you not do it. He told you to lay it aside. He told me to lay it aside. So what's the result? The result of laying aside the weight and laying aside the sin is, he says here, uh, he says, let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus. So when we lay aside the weight and we lay aside the sin, then you can run with endurance. You're not encumbered by that stuff. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Here's an interesting thing when we get down to verse 3, the last verse there. He says, For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. What does that word mean to say, consider him? I think we don't give that word enough weight for what it actually means in Scripture. What it actually means is to think about actively without, or with effort and precision, carefully reason or think out. It's not a quick reflection on something. Here's what it made me think about. Now, I told, uh, I told Michelle last night we were... Uh, we were on our way home, and I, I, I told Charity and Renee, I was, 
we, we were looking at all the paintings and stuff on the walls. And I was sitting across the room. That's going to be my defense right now. I was sitting across the room, and, and Jared had been like, hey, yeah, you know, the art and stuff's on the wall. You know, Renee painted. And, and I'm looking at different ones and, and you know, sitting, in, sitting on the couch. And I saw one. I was like, oh, I like that one. And she goes, that's a print. <laughs> that's, and, and I told Michelle, I said, I said, you know, I'm looking at different ones. And, and, and I'm like, oh, I like that one. And I said, I would pick the one that was not, that, that actually wasn't a painting, you know, that I was going. And I like that one. He said, I didn't, that, that was a print. I didn't paint that. I thought about this last night. Then uh, after that, I thought about what is this about consider? Consider Jesus. It's like when you see someone in a museum, like in an art or an art gallery. And a lot of us, maybe we're not, maybe we're not this. Maybe you're not, you're not this way. But, you know, maybe you're not an art critic. But they have benches in front of these, in, in these really nice art galleries, right? And most of us, I would say, we would probably tend to, hey, we walk by, we see it, you know. We go to the next one, we look at it, we come by, we look at this one, go, oh, that's nice, you know, it's a greater than, you know, or a V, or depends on your, you know, all right, carry on, you know. But there are people, right, that go in and sit down, and they thoroughly examine and consider that. They look at brush strokes. They look at use light and shadow. They look at the perspective. They look at what's in the background. What was the artist trying to say? What, what feel do you get? They may sit there and sketch it themselves because they consider it at length. They try to understand it. He said here, he said, consider him who endured such hostility. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about you stopping and thinking about Jesus deeply. It's something unique in our world, if we're honest, to slow down, to be still, to be quiet, and focus on details. Michelle and I yesterday were, uh, were at Gander down here. We were looking at... Uh, at some campers. Caleb and I had driven and looked at some yesterday morning, and you know, we're scouting this stuff out. Well, a guy that works down there used to work for me probably 11, 12 years ago. And um, Michelle always tells me all the time, she's like, you know, you're, you pay the most attention to a lot of detail stuff of anybody that I know. And then I always, you know, I'm like, I don't know why people keep saying that. You know, and she's like, whatever. Um, and, and so... Uh, so, you know, I'll hear it from somebody at work on occasion. Well, we're walking with this guy who I've not seen in 12 years. And, and we're walking along through the, through the, the lot. And because and, uh, he asked us first, he said, y'all okay walking? I said, dude, I know I look like I, I, I don't want to be walking, but we need it, so let's do it, you know. And so, so we're out there, and, and man, I take off. He tells me where we're going, and I take off. And, and he's, we're walking along, and he looks back at Michelle, who he's never met, you know, but I've introduced him all this stuff, and he goes, he's still got that power walk that, you know, because he said, we used to see him. He'd be in the plant. He had his safety glasses on. He was whoop, 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 whoop. He was going to the plant. I said, man, I walked with my dad, and my dad didn't care if you were five years old. It was, you're going to keep up. We, we got somewhere to go. And he, and he looks, we were talking about one camera, and he looks back at Michelle and goes, he still pays all that attention to detail too, doesn't he? And she goes, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was like, man, I'm not buying anything from you now, right? <laughs> 
A lot of times we don't want to pay attention to detail, right? We just want to hurry through stuff. That's why we appreciate craftsmanship on things, because somebody else was willing to pay attention to the detail that we wouldn't. But then again, we've gotten to the point where we're okay. Somebody puts a lot of effort and a lot of craftsmanship into something, and we want to get it like it's a flea market find. We don't want to pay for the value of what we're getting because we don't want to spend that time ourselves. But you know what? Spiritually, that is exactly what God is calling us to do. He is calling us to stop and consider Jesus. Examine. Search. Think through His suffering. Think through what He went through. Why? Because He said, Consider Him who endured such hostility from sinners against Himself. Listen to what He's saying. He's saying, Stop and think about. Examine what Jesus went through. Why? So that you won't grow weary and lose heart. Because when we stop and think through what our Savior went through, then we go, you know what? He can get me through this. He went through that. I don't have to grow weary and lose heart. So put those things together. Jason, if you guys will go ahead and come. We're actually going to we're gonna go through a song here at the end during the time of prayer. But I want you to put these things together that we just saw in this passage. Number one, lay aside the weight that slows you down. Number two, lay aside the sin that brings you to a stop. Number three, determine to run with endurance while you're focused on Jesus. And while focusing on Him, remember and examine the suffering that He experienced. Because that will result in you not growing weary and losing heart. So here's the question. Where are you in these processes today? Are you carrying a pack full of rocks in your life that's slowing you down? Parents talked bad about you your whole life, told you you'd never be as good as your brother. You'll never be as good as your sister. You'll never amount to anything. Maybe you jack something up, and, but that's what then everybody's told you ever since then. Maybe you're wrestling with the, the issues of things that you had an expectation of. Maybe, maybe it's stuff that somebody's done to you, a hurt that you've experienced. They, you let yourself down, and you're still carrying that rock in the pack today. Every day when you get up, you think about it. Every day when you're trying to walk through life, it's like you can't forget it. Today's the day. Start taking those rocks out and say, I don't have to carry this anymore. I don't have to. Nobody can make me carry this in my life anymore. Maybe you're continuing to allow some sin to occur that you know should stop. You've kept letting it get the best of you. Today's the day. To make a commitment. No more. Do you just need to... So man, you know what? I need to get a, a fresh vision of his suffering, of his endurance, because I, even if I don't feel like it's been sin or if it's been some rock in the pack, I just feel tired. I'm weary. I feel like I'm losing heart sometimes about what's going on. How come this isn't happening fast enough? Or how come this isn't going... I, I, man, friend, I can tell you. Today's the day to do what we, what we often would sing years ago. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in his wonderful face. Why? Why would you do that? It was because you needed to consider and carefully examine him.
The goodness of God is calling you today to be encouraged, to be unburdened, to run free and to endure. That's what it is. Let's pray.